You're listening to the Football Revolution. For the final time this season, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hello and welcome to the Football Revolution. I'm your host, Gio. Thanks for joining us. Here we go. Ole, ole, ole. Hola to everyone. Hello, in honour of Football Mad Argentina winning the World Cup. And joining me, my teammate, welcome, Killingham VIG. G'day, mate. How's it going? Buenas noches. How are you going? Mate, you have to always show me up. Ah, uh, look, I've I've been watching videos of Argentina fans celebrating all day, so it's the it's the least I could do is uh, pick up a bit of the language. All right, mate, everything good with you? So uh, I know that the, the sleepless nights are coming to an end, even though we've got a lot more football and everything. But uh, everything going good? Yeah, all good. I've I've been up since one thirty a.m. this morning, so uh, running on pure adrenaline. But uh, but what a day to be alive! Um, what what a football match this morning uh, with the World Cup final. Um, after you know a bit of a, a downer in the in the A League across the weekend, so um, nothing like you know pick, a way to pick up your spirits and and get back in the swing of things. I was going to say for every bit of magic that we've experienced in Qatar, the A League's doing the reverse of it. So uh, lots of problems here, and uh, that's that's our game, right? So we're going to have to just get stuck into it and try and fix it. But uh, look, obviously the major news and the massive black eye for football in this country happened in Melbourne on Saturday night. Absolutely disgraceful and not something accepted on the sporting field in our country. I was in Melbourne, but decided not to take my family to the game. Thank thank the Lord, I decided not to go there. Something told me not to go, and. Uh, I was thinking maybe the fans just walk out in the 20th minute, but uh, it was a lot worse than that. And uh, all football fans were hoping the World Cup success would charge our league. But instead of that, uh, the worst publicity for our game, and uh, we found it. <laughs> whatever whatever was the worst way of promoting our game after that uh, amazing World Cup's you know, journey, not only for the Socceroos, but for all teams involved, and we've gone backwards. Yeah, look, it's it's a it was just a sad day for Australian football. Um you know, like you said, there must have been a, a messiah out there that sent you a message to to stay away from that ground on on Saturday night. Um, just a, a shocking turn of events. Um, and when I when I think about it, like you, you peel the layers back, um, you know, it started with with the APL, uh, their decision during the week to to announce that the next three grand finals will be in Sydney. Um, and, and you know the fans outrage. Well, I understand that. We we totally understand that. We get that. And you know the the protest to leave a football match twenty minutes in, it made sense. You know that they they wanted to make a point. Um, you know we saw it happen at, at other games uh, yeah, throughout yeah. throughout the weekend. Uh, happened in Wellington, the Jets, uh, Jets and um, and you know that that was it. That the fans they made their point, and we understand. And and look, I know the victory fans and, and the city fans and 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 Melbourne in particular. They feel very strongly about this topic, so um, I, I could understand, you know, a few flares, a few flares on the field. Um, it, it wasn't really getting out of control, and until you know, Tommy Glover does pick up a flare and, and throw it back into the crowd. And I'm not excusing the events that that took place after that, but that did stoke the fire a little bit. And what what happened after that was was just, uh, I think, a, a build up of of emotion and and frustration. And and yes, it only takes one or two idiots to to absolutely turn this into an absolute catastrophe, which is which is what happened. And uh, what happened once once the uh, fans stormed the pitch and 
uh, picked up the sand bucket and, and threw it at the player and put the players in danger. Um, that's disgraceful. We can't see that happen in our game. We can't we we can't let that happen again. And as as football fans, as people that love the game, um, we can't we can't keep doing this to ourselves. We can't keep um, we we need to these people need to be banned from football matches. They need uh, tighter security. They they shouldn't they shouldn't some of these play, people shouldn't have been let in in the first place. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just bitterly disappointing after the momentum that we build off the off the World Cup. Um, such a success for for the Socceroos and for Australian football, and then to come back here and to and to just demolish our own game, um, it's just you know it's heartbreaking. It's 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 quite sad in a way. Yeah, look, touching on a few of your points, Vig. So look, Tom Glover didn't deserve what happened to him, and we wish him all the best shaking this drama off. But one of the lessons learned from this is, you know, if let's flick the flares. That's first and foremost. Okay, they're great, but they're dangerous. You know, if that had hit. One of the you know hit the hit Tom Glover or if he hit one of the fans when he thrown it back in it would have been a lot worse. So first let's get rid of the, flan, the flares. But second of all, let the ground staff handle these incidents, not the players. Right? You don't need to take things into your own hands. Tom Glover's there to play the game. Unfortunately, as a result, he's got you know a lot harsher punishment than he totally deserved. But he should have just left that to uh, to the officials. And look, that's not to say for any for any stretch of the imagination he deserved anything or even close to what he got. He, he shouldn't have had anything for for what his troubles were. But look, he he should definitely have just left it alone. Uh, you know, and on top of that, you know, this is not the first football game we've ever hosted in this country. So after we've had an incident like we have, and that's not to excuse for, for one second in exactly what's happened and how upset the fans are, they're totally separate topics. But after you've put them in a blender and shook them up right, surely you know there's some clowns out there that do their own thing. So there has to be a lot tighter security. You can't just have guys jumping over the fence, right, and letting them do what they want. You know, those couple of idiots that were running onto the pitch, banging their chest like they're, you know, Braveheart and that, they need a good hard look at themselves in the mirror and realise that, you know, they've wrecked this game uh, and brought the game into disrepute. And like I said, this this is not a little thing that just, you know, a, a little school schoolyard mistake or something you do down the pub with your mates. This has affected whole of football in Australia. You know, this has gone globally now, and then every single person that doesn't follow football is trying to now jump on the bandwagon and say it's a, it's a hooligan sport and all this. No, there's a fantastic sport, as was, as was shown by the World Cup with Morocco's story and Croatia's story and all the families. And, you know, you can't get stories like that in any other sport in the world, almost in, in any other walk of life in the world. So it, it, it's not to, to say that, you know, that, that we've got big problems, you know, in, in the game throughout. We do. We have problems. But... Yeah, that was just a one-off thing that needs to be stamped out. I think the victory handled it very well. I think, you know, that the, the, the reporters are trying to say to him, I oh, do you think Tom Glover kind of deserved what he got? And she distanced herself very much and said, no, he didn't. It's got nothing to do with what Tom Glover did. Um, I disagree with that. I think, like I said, he did stoke the fire, like you said, but totally didn't deserve it. And, uh, you know, like I said, if, if he hadn't have uh, thrown the flare back, who knows what would have happened, but there's no crystal ball. So, look, let's uh, try and put this behind us. I don't know what it, what we get out of this, talking about this over and over and over again, but it was very, very, very disappointing. And, you know, especially when you're looking at, you know, what happened with the Socceroos as well as young football fans in this country, I don't want them watching that. You know what I mean? It's not safe taking your families to that. And who knows, it may take us two steps backwards now, but it's nothing less than we deserve for basically the performance that was put on from football fans on the weekend. Yeah, look, yeah, you know, the, there's places in Europe that have, um, you know, the the ultras or, or the sections behind the goals are, are literally fenced off. So, like, they literally cannot throw flares onto the pitch or they cannot, um, you know, enter the, enter the field of play. You know, if, if we're going to have to start doing that, um, you know, I, I don't want to see it. We, sh we shouldn't have to do that. But if, but if this is what we have to do, if we want that active support behind the goal, and we want them to create an atmosphere. We want them to, you know, bring a bit of color to the game. We're going to have to literally lock them away like caged animals and 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 keep them behind 
um, you know, a, a fence or a barbed wire or um, a, a drop down sheet. So, look, we, we we don't really want to see that happen, but we we need active support. Act, and and the you know APL and and Football Australia need to work with these people. Um, that they need to um, you know in, engage with them, keep them keep them happy and, and and listen to what they have to say because the fans are extremely important part of this game and, and we need the fans at football matches. We, we saw, you know, the day after in the, in the Western United, um, Western Sydney game, look, there, there was literally almost no one there and, and the game was boring. It was dull. It was a dull affair. We need fans in this game. We need to keep the fans happy, but we can't have stupidity. The, 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 you know, the minority, the, the one, two, three idiots that, that rock up to a football match and ruin the game, they need to go. They need to be banned. They need to be far away from the game. But in saying that, we, we need we need fans at the game and we, we need to treat the fans with, with respect um, and, and we need to work with them to, to make sure that, that they come week in, week out. They don't um, they don't disrespect the league and, um, you know, we, we bring more fans into the game as well. You know, we, we say to the APL, let's hope they clean this up, but also another message for them, don't treat the football fans as dumb. All the players going out there and putting out releases and that and hoping that, you know, it's like, you know, working at a company and, and saying to everyone, you're going to get a, a pay dec- decrease this year and then not telling anyone and then sending out videos of everyone saying, yeah, this is fantastic. Can't wait to get 10,000 less in my pay packet next week. Surely everyone knows that no one would have said that. So don't go out there and do that. I don't I don't know why you show disrespect to the players there. There's no cross lines there. You've asked, you know, you've put Craig Goodwin in the firing line and, and caused problems for him with his fan base and his following in Adelaide. You've done it with other female players as well, as well as saying that all, all the clubs that agreed to it, well, I'm pretty sure they would have known if they'd agreed to it or not. So I don't know whose message it was. Surely someone there puts their hand up and says, hey, I think what we're doing here is wrong. And that's not obviously a, a reason for what happened on the weekend, but what they did was totally wrong and they should have basically con- you know, con- consulted the fans. Uh, even if you're going to make a decision that's best for the game, great, but at least give them the courtesy of saying, hey, we don't think you're idiots. This is what we're going to be doing and letting the clubs funnel that down to the to the uh the fans as well and to the players and, and doing it the right way we just did it like an absolute the donkey leading you know the head the, the tail leading the donkey and that's not the way we want it being done here but look let's hope uh, it's onward and upwards from here and that the, the people that did the wrong thing are held accountable and that, that we can try and get things back on track as soon as possible and you know not forget about it but learn from it so another aftermath of this was victory chairman anthony DiPetrio, um resigns from the APL board. Apparently he voted for the venue of the new final being in Sydney for three years and then flipped when the fans were outraged. So that's another example of someone who I'm not sure if he just went with the, with the grain, you know, he went with the, 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 um, with the swell and got floated along, but then all I realized, Hey, this is not the right thing, but he should have, you know, he should have stood up earlier and done something about it rather than wait until the fans tell him what was happening, because that was guaranteed. I could have bet you a million percent that that's what the fans were going to vote for. If you'd given the fans any heads up what was happening beforehand. So that's another disappointing thing. Add to that more bad news for the league. Raw star Charlie Austin played his last game returning home to the UK this week as well. So, you know, he's, he said he's enjoyed his time here. I think it was a little bit strange that he's left his daughter to sit at HSC or whatever. And the rest of the family's come out here and then really, that he shouldn't have done that and he should have looked after his his family first and you know like I say better better late than never but um I just think it's really strange one of the two big stars we bring out nanny one and obviously Charlie Austin too has flipped on a two-year deal when uh at the moment we need all the stars and all the support we can get so that was a bit strange but we wish him all the best back in the UK and we hope we can get some uh some other big names come out and replace him yeah, look, it's a it's a shame. Um, you know, you always, you always want when a, a big player, player that's played at, at the highest level, played in the Premier League, scored lots of goals in the Premier League, comes out to to our league. Uh, we want to embrace that. Um, you know, we we could see um, 
what he does to the younger players, that the standards he sets, what he demands as a footballer and and what he demands of, of each player and of the club. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a shame to see him go back, but we wish him all the all the very best. And and if it's for family reasons, um, like we always say on this show, fam- family first and, and, and football second. So um, good luck to him and, and we wish him all the best. Look, some positive news finally. Soccer Adam Taggart signs a three-and-a-half-year deal to return to Oz with the Perth Glory. Excellent signing for the club and definitely some good news that we needed this week with everything that's happened. But uh, let's stop harping on the negatives and move forward. Another World Cup is in the can with two great semifinals. Croatia claims third and Argentina claimed the Holy Grail with six with a six-goal thriller followed by penalties against France. We'll touch on that a lot more in our World Cup uh, top 10 and our World Cup uh, final Peely Awards edition. We wrap up match day five of the A-League women's competition, uh, an unusual revolutionised roundup to follow. Uh, it's sadly our last edition of our World Cup Peely Awards. We find out who wins our head-to-head, me or VIG, plus we hand out our awards. Is there anything I didn't see, VIG? Well, I don't know. Did you see Messi uh, lift the trophy this morning? Because he was wearing a Harry Potter invisibility cloak, so... I thought that was oh, one I'm of the lingerie sure. sets. I thought I've seen some lingerie secret. Like for my missus. Yeah, <laughs> I thought maybe he'd stolen it from one of them. But uh, it did, if it had color, it would have been Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Um, I'm not sure <laughs> if I've ever seen as good as he is, and he could be the best of all time. I don't think I've ever seen a captain dressed in different clothes to the rest of his team then walk through like he um, he's the king. But uh, it's happened. There's nothing we can do about it now. And if anyone deserves it, it's probably him. But if I was a teammate, I'd be thinking, what's going on here? Oh, honestly, uh, he's he's too nice a bloke, Messi. Because if if that was me about to lift the World Cup trophy and and some blokes put a a, a black I don't know see through lingerie cloak on me, <laughs> mate, I, I wouldn't be I would not be having it. That, that's this is going to be one of the most iconic photos in the history of football, right? And poor Messi's got this lingerie cloak cloak on that I don't know. You get in the hotel room, uh, you know they've got him sitting in the cupboard in a in a hotel room with a with a pair of slippers. I think, um, you might have so. there, G. I think you might have hit the nail on the head. He was hoping it was the Harry Potter invisibility cloak so no one saw him. Yeah, I think Ronaldo requested the <laughs> invisibility cloak so uh, he didn't have to see Messi lift the trophy. So, um, <laughs> yeah. All right, there is no player escape room this week, but we plan to get the players back in after the holidays. So uh, they get a few weeks off or a few weeks break from uh, the football revolution, but uh, they'll be back and better than ever in the new year. A-League women's wrap. You ready for this? We'll smash through this considering we've got so much to get through on the show. Let's go. Paul Wellington still searching for a point. Let another game slip away as Mackenzie Barry own goal gifts Adelaide another victory. Not an A-League classic, but a first half Holly Palmer goal showed the Wanderers how to get the job done and leaves Kate Smith's team going back to the drawing board. In the Melbourne Derby, undefeated heavyweight battle, a Hillary Beale penalty save with the score tied at 1-1, followed by a double to Matilda Chloe Lagazzo, was enough to keep Western United top of the table and undefeated. American defender Kayla Morrison helped herself to a hat-trick, and Melina Ayres a brace as the victory recorded their third win in a row, easing past the Jets 5-2 to move up to fifth. And in the final game of the round, Perth Glory with an impressive comeback from two goals down to snatch a 3-2 win thanks to two goals from Riley Baisden to help Canberra to their first defeat of the season or to hand Canberra their first defeat of the season. So a quick snapshot of the A-League women's table, Red Hot Western United, the only remaining undefeated teams as they beat uh, rival City as well as Canberra, uh, losing a last a last ditch one to the Glory. So our top four is Western United sitting on 12, Adelaide sitting on 12, Melbourne City sitting on nine, and Sydney FC, who had the week off, sitting on nine. And uh, just behind them in fifth and sixth, even though it's only a top four, is Melbourne Victory on nine and the Brisbane Raw on seven. 
Yeah, look, the, the big story of the weekend is Western United, the, the new girls on the block, um, you know, beating beating City, which is who have been, we've been saying, almost been untouchable uh, in the last few weeks. So um, huge, huge victory, huge statement um, and some some nice goals from uh, Chloe Legazzo. Yeah, most certainly. All right, so my weekly rap has been replaced by Shout Out, dedicating a weekly song to a team or player for their good or bad performance. This week's shout out is a no-brainer. It goes to Lionel Messi, Emilio, Emiliano Martinez, and the Argentinian team. Congrats to all involved. And the song we send to them is Queens. The song, Don't Stop Me Now. Now, if you know the lyrics, I'm having a good time. They don't want to be stopped. They are absolutely on fire at the moment. Uh, Martinez was brilliant. Messi showed why he is possibly the GOAT, you know, the greatest of all time. And there were some other star players, I think, uh, there was a couple of boys in midfield as well as uh, their young, um, is it Enzo? Uh, Enzo Fernandez. Fernandez he was the young player of the tournament as well. So, the, you know, in the footsteps of Queen, don't stop us now. We're having a great time and they hope this party goes on for another few months. They are good. I'll tell you, he couldn't stop. It was uh, Kun Aguero getting in with the celebrations after the match. I'll tell you what, he, 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 you, if you didn't know any different, you would have thought he played every minute of, uh, of every match of the tournament and, and was the top goal scorer because... He was celebrating hard, but but he does deserve it. Um, you know, it's it's a shame that he wasn't there and he wasn't playing. Um, but it's it's great to see him in and around the the, the group and and really uh, lifting the vibes in the group. Look, if I'd known that all you have to do is ask Messi to be uh, one of your children's godparent, I would have sent Messi plenty of emails over the last fifteen years <laughs> saying, "Hey, mate, um, my kids would love you to be their godparent." Because it seems like uh, Aguero was able to get out in the pitch without any questions asked. He was able to do pretty much have all access anywhere where he wanted to go. And look, I know he uh, he's also was married to and has had a child with Maradona's daughter, so he is already football royalty. But it doesn't matter doubling down, right, and having. Uh, Having the good old Messi as your guide, as one of your godparents as well, so he's he's a smart shopper. Not only was he brilliant on the pitch, but he's shown off the pitch. He's just as astute and making sure he's still part of the, all the excitement <laughs> for Argentina. All right, so moving on to the A League men's table, it's uh, Melbourne City on sixteen, Wanderers on fourteen, Adelaide on twelve, Macarthur have moved up to fourth on eleven, Central Coast on ten, and rounding out the top six is the Wellington Phoenix on ten. A lot happened, obviously, with an abandoned game and uh, some upsets and that sorts of things, but we'll touch on those in the game. So just for the listeners at home, quick snapshot of how we review each game each week. It's the uh, the score, the goal scorers, the players of the game, the turning point, and what we would have changed, Coach Gio or VIG, to try and get a result for the losing team or to try and get uh, more than one point for either of the teams if they had a draw. So the first game was Newcastle versus uh, Brisbane Raw, which was on the Friday. The score was nil. Uh, was one nil to the away team Brisbane Raw. The goal coming in the 80th minute, not the cleanest. So he he had a shot which was saved, and while he was on the ground, instead of doing a bit of yoga or something, he decided he'd strike his leg out again and uh, hit the ball into the back of net. Net it was Milanusic with his uh, with the winner in the 80th minute. For me, the player of the game was Jordan Holmes. He made a nice save, uh, I think, in about the 90-something minute in stoppage time, a nice save onto the posts to keep the Raw uh, in the lead, as well as uh, he also ended the day with a clean sheet. I think there was some other good performers, uh, obviously uh, Captain Courageous at the back. Uh, Tommy Aldred was fantastic for them. Uh, I think uh, Amaretto was also uh, really good, I think, until he got an injury uh, during the game. But I think, uh, for me, Jordan Holmes was a was a big reason why they walked away with all three points. 
The uh, the turning point for me was when Angus Thurgate's effort cannoned off the crossbar in the opening minutes. I'm not sure if you saw that, but uh, it was a really well-struck chance. I think uh, at the moment, the, the Jets seem to be really fragile. Um, they seem to <laughs> they need things going their way. They are very inconsistent. And I think if they'd gone up 1-0 against the Brisbane team, who you know were obviously up for a big game, considering they were saying goodbye to... Um, to their big star, Charlie Austin. I think they were ready for the game, but I think it would have changed things if they'd fallen behind and then started chasing their tails. So I think that was definitely the turning point uh, for, for me in the game. Um, and the thing that I would have changed is the Jets need to change some combinations. They need to start looking at something different and go back to the drawing board. I think it's not working what's happening. They put a team out on paper and you look and you think, wow, what a fantastic lineup when you look at the two Beckers and you're looking at Brandon O'Neill and Thurgate and, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. But they get out there, they have 65% possession, they have seven shots on goal, two only on target, whereas a team like the Raw was starved of the ball with a minimal 35% of the ball, but they had 18 shots with six on target, and they ended up winning the game 1-0. So I don't think the Jets are doing enough with the ball. I don't think the combinations are working. So just having great players next to each other is not working for the Jets. And uh, like I said, I, I'm just really disappointed in what they're putting in, putting out on the pitch week in, week out. The, the, the lineups are good, but uh, there's no consistency there. And for a team that has that quality of player, and they've now had two transfer windows to get it right, they're nowhere near where they need to be or anywhere where they need to be to be pushing for silverware. Yeah, look, so sometimes when you have when you don't have the players, sorry, um, you know, maybe they're putting too much emphasis on on actually having the ball and keeping the ball and, and not being able to to really penetrate and and to get into good goal scoring uh positions. So, you know, we, we saw with the World Cup final two teams that don't necessarily always want the ball in, in France and Argentina and teams that, you know, prefer to to sit back and and you know have a have a bit of a low block and and then get teams on the counter and um, you know, maybe maybe a, a change in in you know the way Newcastle play or or, or the thinking, um, you know, potentially to to not have to have the ball so much. It seems it seems weird to say because you know we always say possession, possession, possession in football. But um, sometimes when, when you have players that that can get in behind, and um, sometimes you need to drag the opposition out to to be able to get find that space in behind and get in behind. So. Um, you know, maybe a, a change in formation or a, a change in personnel as well. But um, yeah, a, a little bit disappointing from from the Jets. But um, in saying that, Brisbane Brisbane were good. You said Jordan Holmes had a had a tremendous game and uh, fitting fitting uh, way to send out Charlie Austin. Look, they and this is no disrespect to the Raw, but it's probably a massive compliment to to Moon is the fact that they don't have anywhere near the cattle, and I don't think they would have spent anywhere near the money the Jets have spent on players in the last two years. But still, you've got a team who's gone out there and done the job. So I think they need to go and watch Spain and realise having the ball doesn't win you the game. And they need to go watch someone like Morocco from the World Cup, which is just current and relevant, and say, hey, when you're direct, doesn't matter how much of the ball you have, you can have two chances, you can score two goals, but having 65% of the possession and only two shots on target is not good enough, and you're not going to win any games. And as seen, you don't get points for having 65%, 80% of the ball or passing accuracy of 75% or better. So definitely some work needs to be done there for the Jets if they want to be serious contenders or even in the six this year. Moving on to the second game, which is the first of the three Saturday games. It was the Wellington Phoenix uh, at home against Adelaide United. How did you see this one, VIG? Well, what a what a game. And, um, you know, the, the final score was uh, 3-1 to Wellington. The the goal scorers in the, in the second, Zawada. Um, in the twelfth, Craig Goodwin with an absolute peach of a free kick, probably one of, one of the one of the goals of the season. Um, up where the spiders live, uh, Cryer for Wellington in thirty seventh, 
And he's then, the silent uh, assassin, Krayev. He is. He is. He's, he's just chipping away. Every single week, just quietly going about his business. The Bulgarian, very, very yeah. likable, and a fantastic signing from Wolfuck and the uh, Phoenix. He is, and and then uh, to complete it in the sixty-first, uh, Jan Sus Sussi, I think his name is. So, um, and, and he he was my player of the match as well, the Brazilian. Um, unfortunately, he was he was sent off in this fixture earlier on in the season. Uh, received the red card in the first half, so. I think he, he had a bit of a point to prove and, and he was out there to sort of make, make amends for that game and he hasn't been uh, too crash hot since he since he's come back and um, and played a few games. So, uh, yeah, I, I just like like the way he went about his business. He added a bit of uh, dynamism to, to, to Wellington and, um, you know, with the, with the two up top in, in Cryov and, and Zawada scoring goals, um, you know, it make, makes life a lot easier. Well, it's a great um, way for him to get redemption. And not only that, I think it's another way of showing that if you play the players in the right positions and the right combinations, even with limited resources, you can get results in this league. Yeah, definitely. And, and look, the, the turning point for me, obviously the Ben Haller and Red Card in the 51st. Um, I know Wellington were two were two one up at the time, but that, that just pretty much, you know, killed it off, killed it off for Adelaide. Hard job um, or hard. <laughs> it did, it did. It made it made it difficult away from home. You know, it was raining. Um yeah, they, they just they just couldn't couldn't really get find their way back into the game after that, and and then obviously ten minutes later they they cop another goal to go three one down. So it was pretty much done and dusted by then. Um, you know what, what would I have changed if I was Carl Vitt? Not not much. If I was honest, it was just one of those days for Adelaide. They got caught, you know, caught on the back foot right at the start with a with a goal again in in the second minute, um, and then you know the unfortunate red card killed the game. Maybe if if I was Viet, maybe perhaps he, he makes a double change straight after the goal. You bring on Iran Kunda and, and maybe another attacker, maybe potentially Blackwood. Um, and, and I don't know how fit Nick Ansel is if he if he's you know fit enough to play ninety minutes, but maybe a player with his experience from the start. Um, you know, young Popovich got caught out a little bit for that first goal and, and slightly for the second goal as well with the ball over the top. So um, you know, potentially a couple of personnel changes for for Viet, but. Um, you know, I think it was just one of those days for Adelaide. Um, after the Craig Goodwin goal, not much uh, went went well for him. All right, moving on to the second of the Saturday games. It was the Central Coast Mariners versus Sydney FC. The uh, the Mariners have a really really good record against uh, the Sky Blues, the Bling Blings. But uh, again, they've uh, they've been fortunate enough to get a two one victory here. Uh, Mariners, the home team, running out two one victors. The goals were Sydney taking an early lead in the eleventh through Palo Retre. Uh, Central Coast uh, equalising in the 36th through Marco Tulio, not Tilio, Marco Tulio, so their version of our Australian star. And then uh, three minutes later, a Dan Hall uh, goal in the 39th minute, giving them the 2-1 uh, win. For me, the player of the match was Dan Hall. He was safe at the back, plus the winning goal. That was just uh, icing on the cake. And I think, you know, we had some great support around him with uh, Vukovic and, and the likes. And I think there was a lot of good workers and guys that put in great shifts for the Mariners, as they usually do, to uh, to ensure that they, um, they're more fancied uh, big brothers. They put them to bed and got another three points out of them, which seems to be a bogey team for Sydney. But, uh, yeah, a great win for the Mariners. The um the turning point for me would have been Sydney having a siesta for a few minutes just before half time. So you've taken a one 0 lead. You've got uh you know a lot of firepower on the pitch with uh, Lolly and Mac and uh you know and and you and you and you got a real a real lot of firepower at your disposal here and you've taken a well earned uh, lead. But then you concede two goals in the space of uh, three minutes. You know, t- 
10 less than 10 minutes before half time and then that was pretty much too much for you to uh to handle and then all of a sudden you know i don't know if it was just because there is a strong rivalry there or if the mariners have got the wood over sydney or maybe it's to do with what's happening in the league but there was a big bust up at the end of the game and the fire you know a bit, bit of fire and stuff which i don't mind but it wasn't needed it wasn't another great look for the for the a-league and you know like i said at the moment we're trying to you know we're trying to do things that make people want to come to the game but watching that didn't make me do that just watch it makes me think of those cheap rugby league games when you see guys go and start bashing each other and fight on for no reason there was no real reason and i think donkey donkey's tackle wasn't great he got one in return he seems to be at the moment a guy just he can just breathe on him and he wants to go in there and start before it's about the third time now i've seen him go in there and i i love the way he supports his teammates but he's just got to realize unless something major happens and you go into bat there this is just a little tit for tat squabble right you don't need to have keep coming in over the top mate every single time so just back off take it easy because it's not a great look for the league and especially with what we're going through at the moment. Um, and the final thing for me would have been what I would have changed is um, I'm not liking Sydney's 4-3-3. I'm glad they found room for Burgess, who we talked about. You know, it was excellent uh, against Celtic and he was really great last week as well. But I prefer him playing, you know, instead of a 4-3-3, I'd prefer him playing, you know, 3-4-3 or even if they're playing, a you know, a 3-5-2 or something. They've got okay, four, players. Four, four, two, three, one, or something like that. Or? Yeah, at the moment, I just don't think that having the four at the back, I think you've got two good wing backs. Ryan Grant has forgotten how to get forward. And I think it's probably because of the fact that he's not getting the opportunities because he's blocked. And then you've also got is it Caballo uh, on the other side as well. He's brought in as supposed to be an attacking player. Well, when you've got four at the back, I don't think you're really using those guys as wing backs, right? So I'd much prefer to see these guys, you know, getting up and around and creating some service for these guys. At the moment, I think Sydney, and you said last week you thought they were the team that was the most impressive when they come back, but they're very one-dimensional. You know, they're relying on Mac and Lolly and these guys making, you know, runs by themselves. Bratton was good on the weekend. He hit a fantastic volley that he was unlucky with that, you know, rattled the crossbar and had beaten uh, Vooker all ends up. And I think later on in the game, he, he called on Vooker again down low. So, look, I think, uh, you know, he's good. But at the moment, it's not really a team performance. Maybe last week was a one-off, but I think there's no team performance there. It's just good players going out there and trying to get a result against the Mariners team who it's all for one, one for all. So I think that's the key. Yeah, look, I said last week I, I wanted to see uh, Max Burgess a little bit more central, and and like you said, with, with when Sydney are at their best, their their left and right backs are getting forward, they're explosive, they're creating um, you know lots of chances, and and normally you know we're we're used to Sydney playing that four two 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 with with a real narrow midfield and, and narrow up top, and and that allows your wing backs to to get forward. So I don't know, maybe maybe they maybe they go back to to something like that, and that that allows a player like you know, Max Burgess to come in. But the problem with, with Sydney at the moment is I think they have too many players of the of the same type. Um so finding it they're finding it a little bit difficult to to fit all the pieces in the puzzle. So, you know, potentially one of them has to miss out. We, you know, it happened to to Victory early in the season. Um Popovich was was dropping Brimmer and uh Konamides was on the bench. Now Falami's finding himself on the bench. So um, it, it's just finding that right combination, and I think Sydney is struggling a little bit with that at the moment. And the final game of the of the uh, of Saturday's games was the uh, Melbourne derby, which was supposed to be an absolute cracking game, and said it turned into an absolute uh, farcical. So. The score was 1-0 when the game was abandoned in the 20-odd minute um, after an Aidan O'Neill had given the home side the lead. For me, I'm going to abandon. What, 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 a, goal, what a goal, by the way. Like, it was if, if, if you're Aidan O'Neill, you're, you're absolutely kicking yourself that that game's been, been cancelled and, and the events that took part after after that. So, uh, well, There's it's, really it's a real shame. There's another reason why the league will be kicking themselves as well as the clubs. But uh, 
Unfortunately, the game was abandoned. I think I've said enough about it uh, in the opening to say that I'm going to abandon my uh, revolution roundup of this game. Um, I'm just curious. I had one question before we move on, unless you've got more you want to add to it, VIG, is what happens to the fans? Do you get your money back? Do you get free passes? Do you get to go meet the players? Do you get a free hot dog? What happens now? Like, do you just get 20 minutes worth of football after spending a hundred and something dollars on the family? You sit down with your food, so you've probably spent 200, 200 bucks on it around Christmas time when you're probably struggling for a little bit of cash. And now what are you going to do? Just blow your money just burn it yeah I don't, I don't know look um if the game is going to be played again or continued from the from the 21st minute mark or whenever it stopped um will it be played behind closed doors um i, I think it i think it has to be i i don't think they can have fans in, in for that fixture now um but but like you said what what happens to the fans that, that paid money to to go there on saturday night um expecting to see a, a great football match which which they did for 20 21 minutes uh, the football was of a high quality. There was a, a great goal. There were some great passages of play, um, and, and to have it ruined in, in the way that it was, it's, it's just disappointing. Like I can't, I can't vent my frustration enough uh, about the events that took place, and um, you know, just quietly, I'm, I'm sick of talking. I'm sick of talking to my mates about it. I'm sick of texting people about it. Um, you know, the the culprits need to be dealt with. They need to be banned, and they need to be kept uh, far away from from our game. Look, if, uh, if they want any advice on how they should reimburse or, you know, treat the, the fans for, for who waste their time going out there, just give uh, the Football Revolution a call. We've got good customer service. Don't go to Medibank Private or one of those guys who had all their data stolen and they offer you nothing. They don't say, hey, here's three months' worth of uh, thing. They send you all the emails saying, we're so sorry. We really apologise for what happened for you. Here's a number to call if you're stressed. How about just giving me three months' worth of free uh, free uh, health insurance? Yeah, healthcare now, considering that you've put us through all this stress. If you really are concerned about me, put your money put your money where your mouth is. Don't say, oh, yeah, we're really sorry, call this number, which 800 other people are probably calling, so I'll never get through. So if the A-League wants some advice, give something out. Give something back in return here. You've cost these guys their time and their money. Give them something in return. So moving on to the two Sunday games, the first one was uh, Western United versus the Wanderers. What happened here, VIG? Uh not much after the fifth minute, to be honest. Um, full time was was one nil to Western United. Uh, goal in the fifth to Priyavich. Um, yeah, it was a, a bit of a stalemate, a bit of a, a bit of a chess chess game. Um, bit of a bit of a slow burner. Massive uh, relief for Western United to have uh, Priyavich back in the lineup and scoring. Yeah, massive massive relief. It was a, a, a lovely um, assist from Troisi, I think. So. Uh, and a, and a great finish. He's he's taken it on his chest, and just a, just a bit of class that the that the league needs. And it's it's massive to have him back. But for me, my my player of the match was Jamie Young. He he made some important saves, uh, kept a clean sheet. Um, none other than which was my turning point in the, in the fifty fifth. I think the Wanderers were starting to assert themselves in the match. They were starting to to get forward and, and create a few chances and. Um, Jamie Young pulls out a save against Kerpich when he when he's through, but he just makes it look so easy. He stuck the left hand out, and and the ball's just popped up back into his arms. But I think that's a, a tremendous save um, given the circumstances and, and the timing of the game as well. So uh, we to, keep, to keep it clean, a massive important ingredient in uh, the Champions run last year. But uh, surely, if the Wanderers want to be serious contenders this year against the champions team who is struggling and on the ropes, you need to put them to sleep. I, I know you might be away, yeah, but if, you're, if you've brought in the players they have and they have a, a really good lineup, really balanced lineup, and they've had some really good results, I know it's the second game back after the World Cup break, but you need to be able to put one on their chin and knock them out, right? You can't be walking away with a nil-one a, a nil great, you know, good performance. doesn't get your points. 
Yeah, absolutely, and and they had they had their chances, and and, and that's a that was a massive chance for the Wanderers to go top of the table as well, and you know top of the league, and and really assert themselves at, at the top there, and um, you know build, build build off that. It is it's a massive opportunity miss, but I will tell you what, Diamante when he comes on with about fifteen to go, he's he's all class. He, the game shifted again at, at that point, and and he he took control of the game. Um, he, he's a lovely footballer. He's, he's a player that can can really change the tempo of a game and, and dictate the play and. Um, you know, he, he's he's a joy to watch, and and we need we need him back. You know, we need him to stay fit and and playing week in week out, and and hopefully starting matches soon. Mate, he's so good. I'd be even happy to change the games to fifteen minutes a half if it means we get D Magic back on the pitch every week. Absolutely, he's a wizard. Absolutely, and look, what I would have changed from this match if I'm Marco Rodan, um, you know, the the four four two he's gone with. I'm playing a four three three or a four two one three. Um, I'm getting I'm getting uh, Enga Bakodo and uh, Barello up a bit higher and uh, Amalfitano in behind uh, Kerpich up top and and then you got Bazanich and, and Newenhoff in midfield as your anchors. So um, yeah, I, I just don't think they they put enough pressure on on the Western back line um, and they they were a bit timid. I think the Wanderers they they didn't really you know have a real crack at this one and and try and get something out of the match um, after going one 0 down at the start. Mate, I think a lot of these teams in the A-League this year can go and watch uh, what Argentina did at the World Cup. Not only did they win it, but uh, the way that the coach changed things around, bringing Dia Maria in for the final, who'd been out for all the uh, the knockout stages and had the desired result. It's a matter of picking a team week in, week out, different formations, different situations, and making sure you're ready. You can't just have one game plan or one lineup or one thing. He changed it three or four times. There was a lot of people you know, questioning what he was doing, but it's worked out really well for him because of the fact that he had a plan and he stuck to it. So I think that's great feedback for all the other A-League coaches. So the last game of the round was the MacArthur Bulls at home uh, against Perth Glory. The final score was 1-0 to MacArthur Bulls. The goal coming from Arabuli in the 71st minute. It was the Georgians' first goal for the club, so probably a little bit overdue. I think when you bring in a player, you know, uh, especially an attacking player, expect to get a good return pretty early on. So he's had to wait until after the World Cup break for him to be able to get that goal. But uh, it was still a, a goal that was important for them to take all three points against uh, an improving Glory side. For me, the uh, player of the match was young Keegan uh, Yelisic. So he was in a losing team, but I think uh, everything good and everything the commentator was saying that was positive out of Perth was uh, coming from this young player. I think he's only 20 years of age and he uh, he showed why he's definitely a young talent and uh, hopefully the glory can hold on to him. You know, the way he played and the way he's starting to play, if he can string some some games together and put a nice CV together this year, I think the other A-League clubs can become knocking. But I'm hoping, uh, obviously, that the glory... You know, signing Taggart to replace uh, Hare Fornaroli goes to show that they are serious about rebuilding this team and making them a, a force again. So hopefully they hold on to him and we see some more some more uh, uh, great play from him in the coming weeks. The uh, turning point for me was Ryan Williams. He was sensational the week before, hence why uh, and we'll touch on this in TFR Fantasy. I brought him into my uh, fantasy team. But uh, he blazed over from eight yards at nil-nil. I think for a player of his calibre and the form he's in, I think that's something that he should have definitely hit the target here. And if he'd hit the target, I think it would have gone in. It was just too close a range. But unfortunately, he blazed over. And I think that was pretty much, uh, you know, an indication of how the uh, how the uh, Glory's afternoon was going to pan out. And for me, what I would have done or changed if, uh, you know, in that game was uh, the Glory were good again but I can't stand their 5-4-1. I don't know why you're putting, you bring David Williams back in. And uh, like I said, you know, it's been a few years since he's played in the A-League. You've put a player like that who's been out of the league a long time playing, I think in the he's been in the Indian League, which is a big, big difference to... No, no, they've, they've put him on an island at the top of the pitch by himself. 
Well, they have, but I don't understand with the way they played last week and the, and the young players they have coming through, why they've gone and played a 5-4-1. And I think they had the better of the game against MacArthur Bulls, but it didn't show in the stats. They didn't have more possession. They didn't actually have any real good goal-scoring chances, even though they got themselves into dangerous positions. So for me, I just thought it was very negative from uh, for, from uh, Zakovic's team when they were excellent last week and they had a real good opportunity to string two good you know, wins together and instead they've blown their lines. So hopefully, like I said, they learn from this and uh, they put in a you know a, a more complete performance this week. But uh, that's the end of our revolutionised roundup. Up after the break, we uh, we it's our final World Cup review, our top ten and Peely awards for the season. But uh, we'll catch you after the break. You're listening to the Football Revolution. Welcome back to the show. It's uh it's our final edition of the World Cup, uh, our top ten, our Peely awards. So exciting and disappointing at the same time. We'll give out our winners of the awards as well as we'll find out. Uh, Soon, who won uh, our head-to-head? But uh, plenty of interesting facts from the tournament this week. There was so much quality again that uh, by listener demand, we're doing another top ten. Ready for me to fire away, Vig? Yeah, let's 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 get right into it. Number ten, the Brazilian who scored two sensational goals, surely nominated for the goal of a tournament, gets a new tattoo featuring Ronaldo, Neymar, as well as a young and current version of himself. Is that to remind him of the players who have delivered a World Cup for the Samba Kings? Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a strange one, isn't it? Um, you know, Richarlison getting a, a you know to to get a, a tattoo of perhaps your idol. Um, I, I can understand that, but to, but to have yourself up there uh, with him, maybe he rates himself uh, that highly. But um, for him to to put himself into into that category, um, I think he's he's got to go on and and maybe win a World Cup now. He's, uh, I think he's a bit ahead of himself. I love him. He's a Spurs player, and he had a, he had a good World Cup. No, I wouldn't say great. He scored two cracking goals, but uh, he uh, didn't deliver anything for Brazil. But yeah, like I said, to put yourself in the same realms, especially as um, R nine or, uh, or Neymar, you're uh, look. He's, he's going to on his legs. He's going to get Roberto Carlos and Zico and all these sorts of people with, alongside himself. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, like, like I said, it, it's a it's a strange one, but he, he obviously does rate himself. He's he's got the number nine for Brazil, so um, you know you, you've got to you got to have a little bit of faith in yourself if if you're wearing that jersey. To, it's you know you got to have broad shoulders and they're big 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 boots to fill uh, the the R nine. So uh, we saw it in glimpses this World Cup, and it's a shame we didn't get to see more. Um, it, it would have been nice if if they you know a semi final between Brazil and Argentina. I think would have been a, a real good spectacle. Good luck, Richarlison, with that uh, Tattoo Hall of Fame. <laughs> Number nine, the final was played between the only two teams that beat the Socceroos. France won the group and Argentina ended Australia's hopes in the round of 16. Yeah, look, it's 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 always good when when the team that, that knocks you out goes on uh, to win the tournament and and another team that, that beats you goes on to play in the final. So um, it, it happened um, in 2006 with, with Italy going all the way. So... Um, you know, maybe it's a. We don't want to make this a, a recurring theme for the Socceroos, but it's good to that, that we got out of the group, and and it's great that we that we're facing um, you know the best teams in the world, and um, you know let let that continue, and we want to be playing against the best, and we want to be playing in World Cups, we want to be playing in in World Cup uh, knockout matches. So um, you know, it's 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 great for for Australian sport and, and great for Australian football to to be playing those games, but um. You know, ho- hopefully we don't we don't get the curse every every World Cup uh, knockout match from now on that the winner goes on to to, to lift the trophy and uh, we're we're packing our bags going home. Maybe we can uh, knock knock one of these uh, bigger nations off. 
I was going to say, we don't want it to be the Mario Balotelli, why always me, right? We don't. It's nice to hear those stories about how I could have, would have, and should have, but uh, we want to be the team that went and knocked them out and someone else has to tell the story about what how the Socceroos fits into their funny story of getting knocked out. We don't want to be the ones telling the funny stories all the time. Absolutely. All right, number eight, England's first World Cup with zero arrests. The brave three Lions at least have the fans coming home. I'll tell you what, you'd probably arrest a couple of their players, wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> probably. No, no, no. They, 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 look, England had a had another, you know, a, a good tournament, but with the calibre of players they had, you know, I, I think uh, they'll be kicking themselves that they didn't get a little bit more out of it, um, potentially make a semi-final or, or even a final. Um, but, you know, when you're up against a, a world-class team like France, uh, so be it. But, yeah, the fans, uh, I, I don't know, maybe maybe not many, many of them travelled. Um. Yeah, I don't know. The only, the only arrest that that I, I know is uh, I think Raheem Sterling had to had to go back to England to arrest the thugs that were tried to uh, you know broke into his house. So, um, apart from that, but um, yeah, look, may, maybe the the no alcohol and and you know finding it hard to 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 find alcohol in in Qatar and, and at the stadiums at the grounds. Um, you know, maybe that played a part as well. Maybe that's a, something that uh, the other host nations need to look at in the future because usually the English aren't well behaved. So uh, if they have have had a good tournament and they've also, uh, you know, stayed out of trouble, then that's good news for the English. But uh, I'm probably on a final note just thinking maybe Gareth Southgate has um, either a few, he's a god, he's a guy parent of a few of these people, or maybe uh, he's got a few things on them because of the fact that everyone keeps saying he deserves more, longer and more chances. I look at Argentina coach, the Morocco coach, the list goes on. These guys have delivered. He still hasn't delivered. And as we said, he's got a fantastic playing squad. So how many chances do you get? He's got nine lives, does he? He, he's, he, he does. He, apparently, he's got one more chance. So he's he's, he's got until uh, the Euros in, in 2024 to, to try and deliver some silverware. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, We'll be talking about yeah, him a little bit longer. They keep falling short, don't they? Number seven, Kareem Benzema stated, I'm not interested, apparently as he was invited by the president of France to attend, but declined the offer. So no Ballon d'Or winner on or off the pitch. Surely he had better things to do. Yeah, look, uh, I'm sure he did have better things to do than, than sit with the president. But um, yeah, look, a, a little bit disappointing in in Benzema, I think. You know, a, a player that I understand, it's it's heartbreaking for him to, to miss a World Cup and and to have to step away from the squad to to go back and and do his rehab, but um, you know you saw what you know Kun Aguero did to the Argentina squad, just having him around and, and lifting the mood. Um, you know, I, I thought maybe maybe Benzema. You know, I, I understand he's he's gone away for a little bit, but once he's once he's come back, maybe you know it would have been good to have him in and around the squad and and um, you know in with the team. But you know we, we've said it for years. He doesn't always fit into that French squad, um, and, and sometimes it, it's a shame because he's a tremendous footballer. I think one of the, you know one of the all-time great strikers in, in world football, and he's at the peak of his powers at the moment. And and for him to to miss out on the World Cup and and to not really fit in with his French team, it's it's quite disappointing. Look, he could have taken one at least for the team. If he'd been there, the French president would have had someone else to cuddle instead of uh, Mbappe. So instead of chasing him around for the whole 80 minutes after the uh, the game finished, trying to cuddle him and give him words of uh, encouragement, maybe if Benzema had been there and he hadn't played, maybe, uh, like I said, he could have split his time between uh, the Ballon d'Or winner as well as the Golden Boot winner. Yeah, look, uh, I think Mbappe's got half his ears chewed off, so... <laughs> um, the poor, the poor bloke. He's he's also scored a hat trick in a in a World Cup final and and, and lost. So uh, very rare. He he had a tremendous game. Um, he's a he's a freak of a talent. And 
Um, you know, the, the best thing about Kylian Mbappe is that he's going to be uh, around for many more World Cups to come. He was probably whispering to his uh, PSG teammate, Messi, can you pass me that invisible cloak? <laughs> it's like, can I just borrow <laughs> it? Well, Messi dropped it on stage somewhere, so I'm sure he could have gone and picked it up. All right, number six. Thank you, Martin Tyler, for taking football fans on another amazing journey during the tournament. The best in the business wrapping up his 12th World Cup, but at 77, what will they do when David, the David Attenborough of football chooses to hang up the microphone? They're in big trouble. Oh, they're, they're in big trouble. I, I don't know. I, I think, look, he's... He's given us so many great moments in in football, and um, obviously that that Aguero goal uh, in the Premier League when Man City won won the title, uh, phenomenal. Um, you know, it, as an Australian growing up, we've we've heard his voice for a long, long time now. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if his if his glasses were fogging up or if he, he couldn't see through them half the time because at one stage in, in the in the final he was calling um, uh, Alex McAllister. Uh, Messi. So I don't know. I know. I know. McAllister had a phenomenal tournament, and he's a he's a great player. He, he's you know he's um, he, he's going to be hot on the hot on the transfer market uh, now, and, and Brighton are going to do going to be find it very hard to to keep a hold of him. But um, you know he was he was miscalling uh, a few poor old uh, Martin Tyler was miscalling a few players, and um, you know when I look at some of the the, the Spanish commentary for for the goal. Um, for the for the penalties that, that that won it, um, you know it's it's chalk and cheese. You know, Martin Tyler, he's a, he's a great he's a great servant of the game, great voice of the game. Um, but yeah, he, he's he is going to be missed. But um, you know, maybe maybe we should have moved on a little bit a little bit sooner. Mate, he uh, he's about ten lengths ahead of the rest of the field. So even if he's making a couple of mistakes here or there, it just closes the field slightly, ever so slightly. Saying so he wins by eleven lengths instead of twelve, but he's. Uh, <laughs> He's absolutely brilliant, and who knows? Look, maybe he goes on to his eighty-first birthday, or depending when his birthday is, maybe he goes on and does his thirteenth. He's unlucky thirteenth, but uh, he definitely is a one of a kind. Number five, Didier Deschamps unfortunately fell just short of becoming only the second coach ever to have won the World Cup twice. The first being Vittorio Pozzo with Italy in nineteen thirty-four and thirty-eight, which who's the only one? A long, long time ago. He is, however, only one of three men to have won it as a player and a coach. Add to that. Argentina coach Scalini did an amazing job as the youngest coach at Qatar, only 44 years of age, the closest to him being Cameroon's coach at 46. But he's still a few years older than the Uruguayan Alberto Albert Supi, who recorded uh, a win in 1930 at the age of only 30. You are kidding. Yeah, that is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. 32 um, young to be playing. He's too, is, is still young to be playing, let alone coaching. It is. And look, I, I think I think Scaloni went and, went and picked up his uh, – he put on his jersey from – I think it was the '94 World Cup, um, and, and put and put that on to 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 go out and, and lift a trophy at the end. So, um, you know, phenomenal as a as a player um, to to play in a World Cup one, and and then to go and, and win it as a coach at, at 44 years old is is phenomenal achievement. Absolutely wonderful. Number four, FIFA president Gianni Infantino wearing probably a very expensive suit, but matching it with Jerry Seinfeld's sparkling white sneakers. Nice kicks, but presenting the awards in front of a global audience of over a billion viewers. Did one of the re the regions not make their payment on time? What's the reason behind the white sneakers? Uh, God, I, I don't know. It depends how he felt today. How did he today? He felt he felt young, I think, and he just wanted to wear his, his white sneakers. He with felt his sporty. Suit. He felt sporty yeah. today. Yeah, he's, today he's worn it a few times during the tournament. Though, so it's not the first time he's had the old white oh. kicks out. But uh, yeah, I, you just think that you'd be able to pair your three three hundred thousand dollars suit with something a little bit classier than a, a pair of kids' white sneakers, wouldn't you? 
Yeah, look, uh, I don't know. He's, a, he's 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 trying to trying to stay fashionable, trying to trying to stay in the game, and um, you know, he's he's a man of a man of many, and um, you know, today he just felt felt young and uh, a bit sporty. All right, number three. Uh, excuse the pronunciation. Croatia's Josko Gavardiol. Is that correct? He's Gvar- a great Gvardiol, yeah. Yeah, he's a great young talent with his price rising as high as $100 million with his performances at the World Cup, but he's definitely no goat herder as Messi tied him in knots in the semifinal. Oh, f- look, phenomenal goal. Let's be honest. I, I don't think he-, he did that much wrong as a defender. Um you know, no, he, he didn't, he, but he, 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 he did show- prove that he's never going to round up the goats, right? No, 100%. The paddock, they're going to stay out there eating the grass all day because there's no way. He, he might be able to use the uh, man in the eye mask as a slight excuse because he is maybe his vision was a bit impaired or it affected some of his senses. But let me tell you, the goat had him in the bag. He, he did. He, he got he got absolutely turned inside out. But uh, a bit of support from his teammates wouldn't have gone astray. Um, you know, when, <laughs> when, you, when he might be able to hurt a, a flock of sheep, but when you're trying to hurt, hurt a goat, um, you know, maybe you need a few few extra pairs of hands, but um, yeah, look, he's he had a phenomenal tournament. He's a he's a great young talent, um, a, a great centre back. But uh, when you're coming up against you know the the best player in the world, or arguably the greatest player of all time now after after winning the World Cup, um, you know it's it's difficult to it's difficult to stop him. And and he, Messi and Argentina though they were on a mission to to win this World Cup, and um, that that goal in the semi final was just phenomenal. Gavardiol has got a huge future ahead and will it'll be very interesting over the coming months to see where he ends up. But uh, we know one thing for sure. If we asked him what's a, a, a herd of goats called, I don't think he'd know the answer. <laughs> still, right. still looking for one. Yeah, still looking for one. And number two, Croatia's players' uh, children celebrating on the pitch as they won the bronze. Yeah, that's that's you know that's what football is about. It's about uh, family and um, being able to share those those moments uh, with with your family. And and as a young parent myself, um, you know, have been able to have your child on the on the football pitch with you. Um, it's a it's a special moment, and uh, we, we saw how much it, it means to to those players and and how much it means to the kids as well. That they're they're moments that they'll they'll never forget. Um, growing up, being able to watch their their dad play. At a World Cup and and being being able to share the pitch with him, um, you know it's it's what what dreams are made of and and hopefully it inspires some of those kids to to go on and, and play for Croatia. Um, you know, no doubt, um, you know, knowing Croatians and knowing their background and 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 the way they they care about football and, and family and um, you know, there's there's no doubt that some of those those younger boys, um, the the sons of players at the moment, will you know potentially go on and, and also play for Croatia. Well, you've already ticked off a bucket list, right? You've already been on a uh, a field at the World Cup at the young age of you know under ten, which a lot of these kids were. There was also a classic moment there where two of the kids were running around. I think one of the uh, little girls wasn't watching, and she ran up the back of uh, one of the other children and knocked them to the ground. I think that would have been come in handy in the semifinals when they were having a lot of trouble trying to tag the the uh, the dangerous stacking force. But uh, maybe next time they can come in on uh, some of the set piece trainings. They they could have, they could put her on Messi to uh, to tra- track Messi around. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. And the number one for our final top 10 of the World Cup, Golden Ball winner, previously won by greats Maradona, Ronaldo, Zidane and Messi. Messi now makes it uh, two, the first player ever to win the award twice. Sensational. Yeah, phenomenal. Look, he, he had a phenomenal tournament. Um, you know, goals. Yes, yes, he scored a, a couple penalties, but, you know, two goals uh, in the final. Um, he, he, he led that Argentina team from... You know, from start to finish, uh, a little hiccup in, in the first game against Saudi, but 
Uh, we've seen it happen before with Spain losing their first game to Switzerland and going on to win a World Cup. But look, for me, I, th- I think you now the, the debate is is over. Uh, the Ronaldo-Messi debate is over. Uh, Messi winning a World Cup now. He's he's done things this tournament that I, I honestly I I didn't expect him to do uh, after the the couple of years he's had at PSG since leaving Barcelona and um, I thought perhaps he was he was maybe on a decline but he, he's gone out and, and proven everyone wrong um, he, he's he's been phenomenal he's 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 scored goals he's assisted goals he's he's you know that that assist in the semi final um, yeah that that's a moment that will go down in, in World Cup history and. Um, I'm I'm just I'm just happy for him. I, I think he's he's a phenomenal player that I've been fortunate enough to to watch his whole career. Um, and he, it's you know right now I, I couldn't be more happy for for him. And that, that's coming from from myself. I'm a Man United fan, a huge Cristiano Ronaldo fan. I think Ronaldo is a phenomenal player, phenomenal goal scorer, phenomenal talent, uh, phenomenal athlete. But um, Messi can do things on a on a football pitch that no other human. Uh, can do and, and no other human is even remotely capable of of doing. Um, I think he's a he's a phenomenal player, once in a lifetime um, player, and uh, you know it, it was a special moment to when when we look back on this in 10, 20, 30 years time. Um, you know you're going to be telling your your grandkids and 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 their kids about about Lionel Messi and um, him winning the World Cup for Argentina in in twenty twenty two in Qatar. So. Uh, phenomenal achievement. Um, I think it's a it's a cherry on on top for for his career, um, and you know he's he's probably I, I don't know maybe, maybe I'm 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 talking um, letting emotions and, and and the day I suppose you know get get on top of me, but no sleep. He, he, he and no sleep. Yeah, he he could be um, you know the greatest footballer of all time. Yeah, look, I think exclamation mark there too is, uh, you know, everyone expected that it was his last game. He's, I think he, if you believe the, the rumours, he said he he will still wear the Argentina jersey because he'd love to go out and represent them, uh, you know, as world champions. So I don't know what that means, whether he's going to play some friendlies, whether he's going to play Copa America, whether he's going to play, you know, World Cup qualifiers. I don't know what that means, but uh, he's not the only one to a backflip. Looked like Ronaldo was going to hang the boots up. He's going to probably try and go for the next Euros. I think... Uh, uh, Modric said he's having too great a time representing his beloved Croatia. So I don't know how many of these guys. I think the only one that's actually kept to it is Busquets, and he's the youngest of them. He's 34, and he's decided at 143 caps or whatever he's had enough. But the others, maybe watching Messi's success and him wanting to continue, maybe that's uh, egging them on as well. But uh, yeah, look, a lot of interesting things to come ahead in football, and I think we're running very short on time. So what we might do next week is touch on things like uh, who we think was the young player of the, the, the um, of the World Cup as well as what's the most disappointing team, et cetera. But let's get into our final Peely Awards. So our spin on the 1995 American comedy Kicking and Screaming starring Will Ferrell and Robert Duval. Footage explaining more in the full video show. In last week's awards, the listeners voted and Team Geo won the decider in a tough game, giving him an overall 2-1 victory. Well played, lads. I'd like to thank my sponsors and my opponent. Well done, VIG. It was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you and uh, congratulations. It was it was a lot of fun and, you know, it made watching the football um, a little bit more enjoyable. All right, so let's get stuck into these and I think we'll just take out, we can do some alternates here or we can do this as a combo. So our best goal, the double Ronnie. So there was a few nominations here. I think... Uh, Richarlison's uh, team goal was excellent. Casemiro's half volley was fantastic. Uh, I know you were also a massive fan of uh, Neymar's. You told me when you were pitching that it was going to be uh, one of the classic goals of all time. I know you're I'll, also... I'll, 
I put some sauce on it, didn't I? And no, I, I still honestly, I, I think. Oh, you did it with back, a pig with lipstick on it. In 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 <laughs> in the in the context in the context of the game, if that if that was the winner, if that was the match winner, um, I think we'd all be sitting here now with potentially, you know, it, we would have seen a, a semi final with Argentina and Brazil, which which would have been a phenomenal game, um, and we would have been talking about Neymar's goal and and that winner in the quarter final. Unfortunately. Brazil got knocked out and by penalties and and, and lost to Croatia, so um, maybe that takes a bit a bit of shine off it. But I, I still think that's a that's a phenomenal goal. But I think we've we've come to to agreeance that um, Charles is the uh, double, the best goal of a double Ronnie of the World Cup in Qatar. Yeah, look, we we he he is the R nine. He's the new R nine, uh, Richarlison, and and his goal against Serbia that that volley on the turn that he did um, right at the beginning of the tournament. So. Um, after that goal, you think in Brazil, you know, we, we, we both picked Brazil to, to go on and make the final. Um, but but we're thinking, you know, Brazil are a real chance here after their performance at, at the start. But, you know, World Cups aren't won in after the first fixture. They're, they're, they're won after the, the seventh or eighth. So, um, you know, disappointing that Brazil didn't didn't go further and deeper in the tournament. But um, Richarlison takes our uh, double Ronnie award. And the bonus for all Spurs fans like myself is he's out now out for six weeks after uh, hurting his hamstring in the warm-up against Croatia. So not only do they get knocked out and not give their uh, their, their country any joy, but he's also now six weeks missing for uh, for Tottenham when we really need him. So, uh, yeah, double, double I think, I think he's, he's just he's just gone on a holiday back to Brazil. I think it's summer down here now. So, um, you know, he doesn't want to go back to, to cold, old, miserable London and uh, miserable Spurs. I think he's he's gone well, to some beach, his, uh, beach in Brazil. His new tattoo, a chance to uh, just settle. Just a hill, yeah. <laughs> All right, so moving on to our best save, also known as our safe as a Banks, which was a tribute to England legend goalkeeper Gordon Banks. So I think there was plenty of uh, you know contenders for this one. So we were always uh, early on, especially in the group games, uh, you know, very, very pleased, I suppose, or happy with some of the work that Chesney was doing for Poland. Uh, you were talking up Croatia's Lavakovic, who you uh, thought was unstoppable and you thought was going to be the keeper of the, uh, the tournament. There was also uh, uh, Bono uh, for, who can forget Bono for his amazing goalkeeping exploits with um, the surprise packet of the World Cup Morocco. So there was lots of contenders in there. It was probably a dozen keepers. I know Alisson pulled off a few fantastic saves as well as the Japanese keeper. But uh, there was one from uh, from this morning's final that we just couldn't go past. So who's going to take out our best save, safe as a Banks award, VIG? Yeah, look, it's it's pipped it and and um, uh, Emmy Martinez this morning in extra time. His save against Colo uh, Moani. Um, you know, God, where Colo Moani hits that, he probably thinks uh, I've just won the World Cup for for my country, for France. Um, but it's a it's a great save down to his left with his with his foot. Um, and and given the circumstances, the the timing of the, of the I think it was in the 118th minute, two minutes to go in extra time. Um, given the timing and the importance, um, we're, we're going to pip all previous nominations, and uh, we've agreed to give it to Emmy Martinez with uh, save of the tournament, safe as the banks. Mate, and very just while it's super exciting for Emmy Martinez, it's disappointing for Carlo Moani because he uh, he was already looking at having a Disney movie named after him, Carlo Carlo, uh, Carlo Moani, and uh, he's going to end up with Nani now. He's going to end up with nothing. So yeah. uh, unfortunately, he's going to go back to his club team uh, so close yet so far, but uh, absolutely fantastic save. And uh, after everything he's been through, Martinez, it uh, goes to show that hard work can pay off. Yeah, definitely, and he's he's a massive, um, massive reason why Argentina uh, lifted the cup, and 
um, you know, as, as big as as big as Messi is, and and the exploits that that he's that he's shown, um, Martinez was a was a huge part of that. And you saw what he did when he came in. Um, they they won the Copa, uh, and, and now they've won the World Cup. So that they've got the double, and and he's been the keeper in both. And um, he's he's a massive personality in that squad. Moving on to our third award, which is something outrageous: our Maradona kebab, which probably carries a little bit more sentiment now. The fact that. Uh, Argentina and the famous number 10 shirt was victorious in uh, holding aloft the Holy Grail and uh, taking the trophy back to South America and back to the uh, football mad Argentina. So there was a few uh, great nominations there. Unfortunately, Morocco's seven clean sheets came to an end and ended up uh, not quite enough, but it still didn't take away from the fact that their journey was amazing and it was not only amazing on the pitch, but watching how close they were with their family and how far, you know, how far an African team has gone in the World Cup was just fantastic to watch. There was also Luis Enrique's team's pass the parcel, so uh, everyone wanting to pass the ball, but no one wanted to shoot the ball. And unfortunately for him, uh, the rules of the games are that uh, goals are nine, 99% of the, uh, the the rules, right? So if you don't score goals, you can't win games. So unfortunately for Luis Enrique, he's fallen on his sword and his team's fallen on their passes. And uh, it wasn't enough to get them through to uh, the business end of the World Cup, but it's also not good enough for the, to get them to the uh, top of the pops for the Maradona Kebab Award. But the one we're going for, we just couldn't believe, and it could only happen at uh, a World Cup like this where the fairy tale has been cut short because of one person's uh, probably incompetence, which he won't back down from. So what's our winning nomination for the Something Outrageous Maradona Kebab Award, B.I.G.? Yeah, our, our winning nomination is uh, Sanchez, the, the Portuguese coach, um, playing uh, Gonzalo uh, over uh, our boy Ronaldo. And then leaving him, leaving him out. So, so he's brought him into the squad. Outrageous, right? Decision to leave Ronaldo on the bench. He's brought him in, and uh, Gonzalo Ramos has uh, scored a hat trick against Switzerland. And, and all bet. to only four goals though, to four four goals for the four country. goals. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, so in his first World Cup start, he scored a hat trick. It's great. There's a, there's a lot of um, you know phenomenon around this this young uh, striker that that plays for Benfica. He's a, he's a, he is he's a good he's a good young player, but. You're leaving one of the one of the greatest of all time, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, on the bench, um, and, and to leave him out against Morocco, uh, it's it's can't come back to to bite uh, Sanchez on the backside, and and it's cost him his job uh, as Portugal coach, and and it's probably potentially cost uh, cost us the the, the fans um, a final potentially that's involving uh, Messi up against Ronaldo, the Mate, ultimate showdown for, for the greatest of all time. With his eyesight. He went to write CR7. He wrote GR7 on the sheet. Is that could it could have been a problem? The eyesight gets as you get older, your eyesight fades, right? So maybe it was just a, uh, a typo. Maybe it was. Maybe it was an honest mistake. But um, you know, honestly, what was what was he thinking? Surely you come out and say say to the media afterwards the dumbest thing I've ever done. It's cost me my job. It's cost Portugal probably a spot in the final and a, a showdown for Messi and Ronaldo to to once and for all decide who who uh, is the king. But uh, yeah, he's walked away, eaten humble pie, and he's cost his country uh, any, any opportunity. So, the winner of our uh, Maradona Kebab Award is the uh, Portuguese coach for his foolish, foolishness, thinking that uh, GR seven was the man to take them to the finals over CR seven. That's it, and he'll be off. Uh, anything he'll be able to afford is a kebab now. <laughs> okay. Moving on to our fourth and our second last award, only in guitar. Different time of year, no beer. Something you can only see here. 
So this one was uh, looked like it was going to be a really straightforward decision for us. Uh, I think you pitched in week one of our nominations, Stadium 974, which uh, didn't meet any uh, security or any uh, HR or compliance checks with uh, 974 storage containers stacked on top of each other. I would have been worried if they had two stacked on it and it started to move in the wind, let alone uh, 974 stacked temporarily, for which was being pulled down before the knockout stages even started. But uh, something's come ahead and... Uh, and jump the gun on that, and uh, which we both just thought was just something that uh, unfortunately we just couldn't uh, we couldn't give up and couldn't not nominate and not give the award to. So our only in guitar award winner is Messi's Invisible Cloak. Unfortunately, it didn't make FIFA uh, or Infantino disappear, but it gave him some great photos in his lingerie, which um, I'm sure he'll look back on as uh, as great uh, memorabilia when he looks back on this wonderful achievement at the uh, World Cup 22 in guitar. Yeah, look, uh, I've. What, what were they thinking? I, I don't know. Like we're, we're going to look at these these images in 10, 15, 20 years time. These are the most. This, this is going to be one of the most iconic images in in world football. Lionel Messi lifting the trophy for Argentina, and he's got this lingerie cloak cloak on. Like <laughs> I, I'm I'm sure I'm sure the the other boys in the team were just having a giggle, going, "What is going on here?" Um, because I, I was looking at that going, surely, surely he's not going to wear that all the way to lift the trophy. And, um, yep, he, he did. And, you know, it, it looked a bit strange. But, um, you know, like we've said all tournament, only these things happen in, in Qatar. So, um, you know, we, we've said all along we need to embrace their culture and um, respect respect uh, respect what they do. And, and you know, I suppose that's what, that's what Messi was doing. He was paying the ultimate respect to... To FIFA and and, and Qatar and uh, him lifting the trophy uh, in, in the invisibility cloak or the or you know the the, the lingerie. I, I, honestly, I don't know if I could have done it. I think I would have told him to to go do one, and oh, I would have taken it off before I lifted the trophy. But but um, that's just me personally. But Messi's uh, just too nice, isn't he? He's too nice to blow. This close to Christmas, they may have done him a favour because when you look at him and his wife, you might think, "What do you give someone for Christmas that has everything?" Well, now he's got something. He's got to. He's got able to give her this invisible lingerie cloak that he was able to hold the World Cup in on a national stage in front of a billion people. Now, I don't know if you could come up with a better gift than that. There's not. There's not. If you, if you, in your wildest imagination, you couldn't come up with something as uh, out there as that. And uh, that's all thanks to the the hosts in Qatar as well as uh, the, the the lads at FIFA. Yeah, look, I hope he did give it to his missus and I hope she did put it on tonight for him. <laughs> okay. Moving on to our last award, which is our VAR, our VAR and officiating stuff-ups. There was plenty of them, but uh, I think we just skate past this as quickly as we can. Morocco's, uh, the handball in Morocco's uh, defeat in the 85th minute when they, they were down 1-0 was uh, was pretty poor. I think there was some others along the way where we were saying that uh, – the thickness of uh, a shirt, the Japanese striker was given offside, they're not offside and so on. So there was a lot of decisions. I think there was one as early on. This was a, probably setting the pace when uh, Ecuador had a goal disallowed after five minutes, which, you know, the more you look at it, the more you couldn't give it off offside or even disallowed goal, the more they, they gave it offside and no goal. So for us, but there's just one that it comes down to. And I think he's won nothing at the World Cup. He's lost his job. But um, I think uh, he's probably made a few, um, uh, I suppose, Ex or, or Ger Germany enemies are uh, happy. So, who's our winner of the Vavanar Award for the uh, World Cup Qatar 2022? Yeah, so the the winner goes to uh, the Japan and um, Japan Spain game. The the balls are uh, crossed the line. Look, there's there's daylight between the line and the ball, right? 
So how, how I, I don't know, I, I find this rule to be absolutely ridiculous. Looking at it from a bird's eye view, um, you know, is, is it a little bit of the ball still over the line? Look, if you can see grass between the ball and the line, it's out. The ball's out. That's that's for me. That's the ball was playing. in Japan. The ball, the ball was in Japan. The ball was in Tokyo, and, and I'll tell you what, Japan—they're going to change their national flag and add a add a line uh, next to the ball for it. But um, yeah, look, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a fan of this this rule because you can't apply this rule to every football match in, in the world, right? So. Um, you know, there's there's not VAR and technology at, at youth at youth level or, or you know uh, Sunday league football. Like if the ball is over the line and you can see grass between line and the ball, the ball's out. That's that's what I, it's always been. That's what I've always been told. That's what every linesman has has officiated like that. You know, for the ages of time. So why why they've gone and, and changed it now to you know you got to be up like a pterodactyl flying over the pitch to to see where the ball is to see if it's in or out or if there's a little bit hovering over the line um yeah i, I don't know for me use the technology the ball's out it's it's over the line um and, and that's it i hope you're sitting down but this is a amazing technology that i've come up with eyeballs that's right. Oh, wow. As long as you've got eyeballs, right? You can just sit there and look. A lot of these ones you don't need, like you said, you don't need vision from the moon. You don't need, uh, you know, overhead jets. You can just look at it and go, oh, hang on a sec. I can see space between the line and the ball, which means no matter how I look at it, the ball is out, right? The ball's out. At the end of the day, it just means now that uh, FIFA will be getting a Christmas card from Germany and inside it will say, I owe you or you owe me $19 million because costing them a, a spot in the knockout phase cost the German Football Federation $19 million, a, a quite, quite a costly mistake for them. But, look, we know the VAR as well as the officials are doing the best they can. I thought the referee in the final had a really good game, so it goes to show that humans can do a really great job even under huge pressure and big circumstances. Six goals in a, a fantastic final with a lot of pressure. You know, obviously a lot of the world wanting Messi to go out a winner. You know, obviously France have got uh, one-man army there in a the guy called Mbappe who scored a hat-trick and did everything he could, including another penalty, so scoring four goals in the game to try and carry his his team home. So lots of pressure on you in a huge atmosphere with a huge crowd, and he did a fantastic job. So I, I don't want to listen yeah. to the rubbish anymore about, uh, you know, it was a tough situation or the guy was trying to watch Netflix at the same time time as he's reviewing the VAR thing just get it right yeah I agree I, the, the referee in the final did a tremendous job and um I think it was Taram who went down in the box um sort of left his left his leg hanging and and, and dived a little bit uh he, he sort of he, he was looking for contact but didn't get it and and went down um and for the referee to, to pull that up straight away and, and issue a yellow card for for simulation I thought that was that was a, a great call and I think the other penalties. I think he, uh, you know, the handball is unfortunate at the end, but I think he's got it right. The the hand was away from the body. It's it's made contact with the ball, and uh, we've seen we've seen them given as penalties uh, all season and and pretty much since the VARs come in. So that could um, be the newest version of the hand of God, right? It wasn't a Maradona intentional, but it's helped uh, the Argentinian new God to get a, a a World Cup that he totally deserves. So if you're ever going to get a decision which is a little bit grey. You want it to be in the favour of a good guy like Messi who has been unbelievable for the sport. So, look, congratulations to all our winners of our uh, Peely Awards. Uh, it's been fantastic uh, bringing it to you. We'll be a bit sad next week uh, or the week after, whenever we're back on air, that uh, we won't have those awards, but there'll be plenty of uh, other fantastic uh, entertainment and segments for you to, to enjoy. 
But uh, up now is just our final stretch, is our clinical finish. So our What the Foot Award, let's quickly get through this. Argentina's World Cup shootout hero, keeper Emilio Martinez. We've talked about it, great lengths. Uh, his penalty saves, he's, uh, I suppose he's, he's trash-talking everything, but his obscene gesture when accepting the Golden Glove Award, What the Foot. He won't be looking at it. And, and when you look at it, you think maybe he's a young keeper. He's 30 years of age. You should know better. What was he doing? And then he puts it to his mouth like he's doing, I don't know, uh, uh, Dr. Evil. And uh, it was just absolutely, whoever wrote that script for him, they should have burnt it. Yeah. I don't know what to say about that. That was, um, yeah, just just, just weird. Just very strange watching that. Um, I, I don't know. I think that the trophy presentations took so long after after the final whistle. I think the players had, had gone inside to the sheds and probably had a laugh and, um, he was obviously on a on a bit of a high, and uh, we we all know what goalkeepers are like. They're they're strange cats, and uh, they do strange things sometimes. And um, that that was that was very strange. I don't know who the gesture was for or, or what it was about, but maybe maybe in the next coming days we'll we'll get an explanation from him. But I'm glad yeah, it wasn't what, for me. What the foot? Oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> hoping it wasn't for me as well. <laughs> all right, so games to watch this week. Uh, back so soon, another F3 derby that postponed. I think it was round one on Wednesday. Uh, Sydney versus the Bulls on Saturday, and then the Melbourne Derby, Western United hosting victory on Boxing Day. So plenty of great football coming up. Let's hope that the football does the talking over the next uh, week or so. Um, and, yeah, we don't have any more of this, you know, off-field uh, chaos that's you know, brought the game into disrepute and taken away from the major thing, which is football and, and the game we all love. Yeah, definitely. And, and look, we saw with the World Cup, uh, there was plenty of talk before before the event had started and, um, you know, uh, plenty of people with their political say in, in what's right and what's wrong and um, all these things. But once the football started, um, you know, that that's what we're all here to watch. We, we love the game. Um, and once it started, the football did the talking and, and, and that's all we were talking about and, and the rest took care of itself. So, um, all, all in all, it was a, a tremendous, tremendous tournament. Um, some some great football played, and um, some, some some tremendous matches and some tremendous individual performances. Uh, capped off with Argentina and Messi winning the World Cup, and and that's what we want to see back here in the A League. We want to see football played week in, week out. We want to be talking about football. That's that's what we love to do. That's why we do this podcast because we love talking about football um, with each other, with our mates. Um, and and you know let's let's let the football do the talking and and let the players enjoy themselves go out there let's support the players let's get behind them and um you know really enjoy ourselves over this christmas period absolutely we've got two fantastic uh competitions up and running at the moment and like i said they're only overlap the last two weeks but there's been plenty of great football from the women's and the men's is is back you know been back on two weeks now so let's just get behind them but uh quick tfr fantasy update as weird as it is so last week vig with a ton took the lead back off me so let's see if you can back it up this week but uh with the disaster that happened in melbourne and this is the least of their worries is our tfr fantasy but uh so many players got wiped out in the game hasn't actually been counted as an official game uh, I don't think it's been a complete round. So we were both waiting for our email from uh, uh, Keeping Up uh, Fantasy and there was nothing. So we've had to go in there and test our mathematical skills and manually do this. So my uh, round eight score was 53, but I think it's incomplete. But uh, it's the same for both of us. So my total is now 590. Yours, VIG, was how many? Uh, 43, I think. So my total is... 582. 582. There we go. Oh, I've gone so, back to front done by eight, but I think it's an incomplete round. I think we both had the disadvantage. But uh, yeah, I'm, 
I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not calling it I'm not calling it uh, around yet until until it's complete. So uh, I've still got a few players to to play. Uh, hopefully we hopefully we see the the Melbourne Derby completed at, at some stage. Um, but yeah. All right. If you've missed any part of the show or want to listen to the other episodes, where can they catch it? Yeah, they can catch us on all good podcast platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, uh, Football Nation Radio, and also on our uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, so Football Nation Radio uh, on Monday nights at 9pm. Uh, YouTube channel, there's uh, plenty of great footage at the moment, so um, we've, we're staying away from the video footage that keeps getting uh, taken back off us, so we're just sticking with still photos, but uh, there's still plenty on there. There's plenty of music for our shout-out of the week as well as some other cool photos. Um, there's plenty of men's and women's A-League action coming up as well as a little rest now that the World Cup has finished. We are taking a two-week break over the festive season, so Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and your families. I hope you've enjoyed the show even half as much as we've enjoyed bringing it to you. Uh, we'll see you again in 2023, and until then, all the best. And as we say, rise up, join the football revolution, have a great and safe Christmas and New Year, and we'll catch you again next year. You're listening to the Football Revolution.